I don't have time to really fully develop this, and I'm glad I didn't, because as I look even further into the topic, it really opened my eyes. But one psalm that really has touched my heart over the years is Psalm 37. Would you turn with me there just for a moment? I, and, and if I forget at the end, you'll, you'll connect it to the end. It just came to me as I'm sitting here, this, the, just preparing. I hadn't, didn't have this in my notes. But here's some basic instruction we can use throughout life. When you see some, somebody prospering that does not know the Lord, and you wonder, why does he prosper and I struggle? It says in Psalm 37, did I say 34? 37. Fret not because of evildoers. Do not be envious of wrongdoing, the wrongdoers. For they shall soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. Here's the strategy I want to take in life. When I look around me and I see others prospering and under why, oh, why not me, Lord? <laughs> why not me? He says, trust the Lord and do good. Get your eyes focused. Again, that focus idea. Get your eyes focused. Trust the Lord and do good. Dwell on the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. When your heart is right with God and when your heart's set on God. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him. He will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Be still before God and wait patiently for him. When I get kind of frustrated sometimes, we all do at one time or another, I need to come back and remind myself of these points. Trust God, delight in him, commit your way in, unto him, uh, be still before him, and then just rest. And then there's one other point, wait. That's the hard part, waiting. Just allowing God to do his work and through our lives. I, I wanted to introduce you to that, and, and it would be a good devotional time for you sometime just to meditate on those verses. Then I want you to turn to Psalm 84, where we were last week. Last week we were exploring this journey that we're on in life, a journey of um, ups and downs, of dry spots and some bright spots in life, but sometimes it's a little dry and we just wonder why. In the dry spots, we had to find, we have to find a way to bring blessing to that and say, Lord, you're, you're teaching me something. I don't understand exactly what that is right now, but as you teach me, Lord, help me to be wise enough to listen. Help me to be wise enough to observe the things around me that you want to, that you want to teach me. And as I look at Psalm 84, we see that journey, that journey they were taking to the tabernacle. Uh, my soul longs, even faints for the courts of the Lord, my heart and my flesh sings for joy for the living God. I love that. I love that anticipation of coming together to worship, coming together not just on Sunday, but hopefully in Permanent Night or whatever night it is, or whenever we get together in a home with other people, with other Christians, just to praise. And we've had a, a tremendous time. Nancy's uh, cousin and his wife are fine Christian people, and we just had a great time of fellowship, Christian fellowship, Praying together as two couples praying together, just asking God to provide and God give direction in her, in their lives. They sent me a text last night and said they were on their way to Ottawa. They were going to a teacher's reunion for her and then meeting with her sister who is not saved. And I got a text last night and said some great things happened while we're away. We got a, I can't wait to get that call. We'll call you and tell you about it. I don't know what that, what that was. Her sister was is not saved, and maybe that's what it is. I don't know, 
but we're just anticipating what God has, how God has blessed them as we pray together and ask God to work. Blessed are those, in verse 4, who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise. Blessed are those who, whose strength is in you. And, and as I think about that, my strength needs to be always in what God desires in my heart and my life. Look at verse 9. Behold our shield, O God. Look on the face of your anointed. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I'd rather be the be a doorkeeper in the Lord's in my in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the of wickedness. Remember who wrote this? These are the doorkeepers. These were the the um, the porters, you might say. These are the ones that were looking after God's house. Um, and we just thank God that we have that opportunity to be here, but I'll have the opportunity from time to time to just take care of God's house. And and this is kind of where we left it last week, and there's only two verses left, but there's so much here. It says, For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor, or grace and glory. That's what I'm going to use from the King James Version. Grace and glory. No good thing does he withhold for those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you'll just take these words now as we approach a communion service and just ask that you just uh, encourage our hearts. We, 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 that we might embrace the awesome God that we have when we serve and just allow you to work in and through our hearts and our lives and that we can see your goodness and your grace and your sufficiency in every time of need. Father, we pray for your blessing. We pray for your touch and your your hand upon every part of our lives and those around us. For Nancy's sister, for for Jerry's sister, for others that do not know you, for those in this congregation who have had some struggles in life, which we all have. Father, those going through struggles right now, just pray for your touch, your blessing. Lord, guide us, we pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. My first thought in these two verses, particularly verses 11 and 12, is um, God's protection. God's protection. It says, the Lord is my son, is a son and shield. Conveys a striking truth that everything that belongs, everything I have belongs to him. And I've said to you before, and I, I, I continue to say this, not because of who I am, because, because of who my God is. If you had realized the situation in our lives financially, you'd say, well, they'll never be able to retire. I've always been in struggling churches, be able to bring some strength back to some of those struggling churches and allowing God to work. And, and to me, the, the financial part was never an issue. You know, I at one point in my life, I realized that the most I'd ever made is about $28,000 a year. It's not a lot of money. First church, it was only, it was less than 10000 It was really, it was really a struggle sometimes. But you know, God has provided for us that we can retire and that we can retire quite comfortably because of his provision. Not because of who we are, but because of his provision. 
And, and I want to I say to you, though it may be struggling, God's provision is the only provision I need in life. And that starts with my spiritual relationship before him. When I think of sun and shield, I think of provider and protector. I think of that provision that God has given me every day in my life, and it starts with the sun and the sky. You know, when we sit down at a meal, do you ever stop and think of where that meal came from? You know, if, if you're a vegetarian, it came from the ground. If, you're, if you like a little bit of steak like I do once in a while, uh, where did that, well, a, a, a cow or or pig or whatever, have grazed the field. And where did that field come? It came from the sun. God's provision. Even even the the food I eat on the table comes from a source that only God can provide for us. And even the air that we breathe, if you want to go that far, it, it it's relative to the fact that the source of my strength is in God. First of all, the sun. The ultimate source of every form of power existing in this world comes from the provision of God's that God is for us. The first day of creation, he said, Set, let there be light, and there was light. The greater light ruled the day, and the lesser light ruled the night. God's perfect provision in my heart, my life. The sun produces in my mind fruitfulness. Fruitfulness is the harvest that we have at the end of the season. We're, we're putting the seed in the ground now, and the and it grows not because of our own power, our own strength. We plant the seed. And we allow God to provide the rain and the sun to grow that seed. And when we sit down at the table, we understand that we thank God. Because God has given, given us all this. Every time we lift our arms, every time we take a step, we draw the power from the sun that's given to us, not in our own strength, but from God. As I counsel, I don't know how many of you have ever heard of SAD, Seasonal Effect Disorder, but it's a real issue. Seasonal Effect Disorder happens probably in February and early March, January, February and early March. We don't have the sun. And and many, many times I've had people come in and they're, they're depressed and they don't know how to deal with this. And one day talking to a, a client through a doctor I realized maybe maybe we need a little more sunlight. Maybe we need to get a sun lamp, and maybe we just need to sit under that sun lamp. And this particular lady said it was the most one of the most powerful things she did when she learned that this is what the issue was for that sad that seasonal affect disorder. That she would sit under that sunlight and that sun, the the lamp light, like a sunlight for her, and it gave her that strength. So don't discount that, but just understand that maybe that's part of what God desires to do in our hearts and our lives. See the sun, the S-U-N, there's power that helps us to hurry us on our way. But the S-O-N, sun, is the power motivating our life to godly principles and living for the Lord in all areas of our heart and our life. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, I have a note here. Let me just read it for you. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6. For God, who said, let the, let the light shine in darkness, shone in our hearts to give light to the knowledge of, of the glory of God, and in the face of Jesus Christ. 
Let the light shine out of darkness has shone in our hearts to give light in the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. That's my goal in life, I pray, is to see that glowing and that growing in my own heart, my own life. He not only says a sun, but also a shield. I, I suggest not only God's provision, but God's protection. He said to Abraham in Genesis chapter 15, verse 1, Fear not, Abraham, I am your shield. God takes care of his own in his, his own specific way of, of guiding and directing. When, when Satan looked upon Job, and, and when God said, consider my servant Job, he said, you've got this protection over him. Even Satan recognized God's protection over Job's life. And God knew exactly what Job could handle. So he said, I'll remove that, but you cannot take his life. God's absolute protection. When I look at Job, I think, Lord, I don't know if I can handle it or not. But you know something? God knows exactly what I can handle. And he will not allow me in a place that I can't handle. And he also makes a way of escape, it tells us in Scripture, when we understand that. The shield was was held in the in the left hand, I think something like this, to protect those those attacks. It talks in Ephesians chapter 6 about the shield of faith. And when I think of the shield of faith, I think it's 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 I think of it as that defensive armor that I use from the attacks of the enemy and I and I use it as a guard for me in my life every moment of every day. The shield to me, denotes God's sufficiency in all things, in every circumstance in life. When I face a circumstance in life, I pray that I would not fret or worry, but I pray that I would look to God and say, Lord, I don't want to necessarily, I don't want to remove, remove from this in my, in my selfish life, life, I might. I don't want to be removed from this, but Lord, help me through this that I might be your child and your, uh, light in the course of life. There's several passages of scripture we could read, and I just want to read a couple just to, just to encourage you in the area of the shield that God provides for us. It says in um, Psalm chapter 3, verse 3, But you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory, and the lifter of my head. I cry aloud to the Lord, and he answers answered me from his holy hill. I fell down and slept, awoke again, for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of, of many thousands of people, for I have set my, uh, for they have set myself against me all around. Rise, O Lord, save me, O my God. And Psalm 7 as well, if, if you, if you take a concordance and look up the word shield, I think you'll find many, many more. It says in Psalm 7, verse 10, My shield is with God, who saves the upright of heart. We're going to talk about that just in a moment. So if I, so if I think of protection here, and as I think of provision here, I also want to understand God's promise. He says, The Lord God is my sun and shield, 
he bestows favor and honor or grace and glory. I like the terms grace and glory here. And I think this is God's promise for us. God's grace will satisfy us. We are vessels fit for the master's use. And in grace, he allows, first of all, in grace, and it's beautiful that you read, and we didn't talk at all this morning, but you read um, from, from Ephesians chapter 2, for grace you saved through faith. It's in my notes. I've got to look. For grace you saved through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for what? Good work. That's why I'm created. I'm created to, to honor him. I'm created to worship him. I'm created to bring that sense of, of light to the world. But I was absolutely thrilled when you read that, even though you didn't know that I was going to be referring to that this morning. But we are fit for the master's use. We have, we, we're equipped, even though we might feel very unworthy of that, we are equipped. Grace. Matthew Henry says grace signifies both the goodwill of God toward us and the good work of God in us. The goodwill of God toward us and the goodwill of God, the good work of God, the goodwill of God toward us, the goodwill of God in us. Grace to pardon me for my sin. It says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The wage of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, Jesus Christ our Lord. And as we, as we contemplate that, it's something I don't want to keep to myself. I want to be able to share with others. I want to be able to show through my lifestyle. And we were, we had a talk with, um, Nancy's cousin and his wife. And she said, how do I share with my sister the love of Christ? And she had a couple of books she wanted to give her. I said, don't preach to her. Just be real. Just live it. And she said, I don't see her often, but maybe And I hope that that was the end result of that, that maybe she's accepted Lord. You've heard the acrostic, I'm sure, over the years, grace, God's riches at Christ's expense. And if if you think of that acrostic, it really helps me to focus on God's work and God's purpose in our life. Somebody wrote this, "Grace uh, grace and glory are connected as cause and effect. Grace of God leads to the glory, his glory and his his will for our lives. There's a little chorus we used to sing. He giveth more grace and the burdens grow greater. Do you know that little chorus? He giveth more grace. I won't, I won't, I won't, won't suffer through the singing of it. But it, as, as the burdens grow greater, God's grace is sufficient in all things. Paul experienced that. Do you know that? <laughs> over and over again. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, he says, Lord, I, I really wish this thorn would be removed, but what did God say? No, my grace is sufficient. Not only grace and saving, but grace and living, sanctification, the growth experience, not just in justification, my experience in, in, in um, salvation, but the growth experience in my life as I, as I live for God through the rest of my life. Uh, I hope I never stop understanding the growth that God has for me and the experiences God has for me in life. Not that we look forward to struggles. But when we go through those struggles, we know that he is sufficient in all things. Grace in the midst of illness. Grace in the midst of bereavement. Grace in the midst of hardship and struggles in my heart and in my life. Then glory. Some wise author wrote this. Man is 
is the glory of the lower world. The soul is the glory of man. And grace is the glory of the soul. Heaven is the glory of grace. Think about that for a moment. If I, if I understand grace, I know, I glory, I should say, I realize that in my mind that's the hereafter. That's when I'm in the presence of the Lord. Heaven and glory is that mature, maturity of grace in my life as God continues to work in me. Uh, I need to remind myself constantly of God's love and God's care in my heart as I minister to other people and I continue to pray that God will use me to minister to those around about me in his time and in his purpose. But another uh, one of my passages that sometimes I'll, I'll read is understanding God's love for me. In 1 John chapter 3, it says, See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called the children of God. And many times when people are going through depression or struggles like that, I bring them this passage of Scripture. If you have accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as personal Savior, you are God's child. Don't ever lose that. Don't ever forget that. Don't ever walk away from that. You are God's child, it says here. Um, and he says, you shall be called the children of God, and so we are. reason why the world does not know us is that we do not, it does not know him. Beloved, we are the God's children now, and when we will be, uh, when we will be, has not yet appeared. What we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we have believed him as he is. Everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself, even as he is pure. What's my hope? My hope isn't for riches. My hope isn't for fame. My hope is the fact that one day being in the presence of God. Uh, that's, I pray, your hope as well. Then, and then the prospect here, I, I'm going to finish this off very, very soon, but the prospect here, it says... It says in this particular passage, scripture in um, in Psalm chapter 30, 30, 84, it says, no good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. Uh, can, can you imagine? You know, I, I could never imagine someday retiring and not worrying about money. But it says no good does he, no good thing does he withhold. And you may say, well, I don't see that right now, but, but you look back on that, I pray, I, I believe that you look back on that and say, wow, God's provision is so real and so, so helpful in my heart and my life. It says in, um, Philippians 4.19, supply all, he'll supply all my need according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. He supplies all my need. Now, now, listen, now, it's not just material. It's the spiritual relationship, most importantly. He supplies me with everything I need to, to grow in my faith and to grow in the relationship I have. He supplies with me um, even people. I retired from counseling well, I can't put a date on it because it's <laughs> it's never happened. <laughs> I retired from counseling probably officially two years ago, but I'm still counseling. Uh, my pastor is is uh, 
Ken Ingram, I go to Faithway. And uh, once in a while, Ken will call and say, hey, Ted, can you help me out with this? And my wife says, you can't say no, can you? <laughs> but but that's where God has led me. That's what, that's what God has done in my heart. And and she knows that, and she supports me 100% on that. But, but, and, and, I'll, and because I've never disconnected my phone number from Hope Counseling, it still rings. It's my, it's my cell phone. I've got to change that number. But you know something, as I do, though, as I do, though, I can say, you know something, I'm no longer in the business, but here's somebody that, that can. Tina J. Smith is an excellent counselor if you're looking for somebody. She's here in town. She's a Christian lady. She goes to Oxford. She's a... She worked with me for almost five years, and then she went on her own. So if you're looking for counseling, I would suggest Tina would be a good, good step. And there, there are others. But see, but see when, God, when God gives you the ability, don't let go of that. But it's, he also says he will not withhold any good thing. And I, I love James chapter 1. I'm, watch my time. James chapter 1. If any man lack wisdom, what's he supposed to do? Ask God. And what's it say? He doesn't, he doesn't hold back anything. <laughs> he gives abundantly, liberally. He just gives and gives and gives. And if I lack wisdom, I pray. And, and, and even in my counseling ministry, I many, many times just prayed and said, Lord, I don't understand this. What can I say to this person? And all of a sudden, it comes. And I don't really get that sometimes, but I know God does. And then... A part of that, uh, that perspective here is, is the fact that um, we need to walk uprightly. One of the sermons I was going to preach to you, or share with you, I should say, not preach to you, but share with you, was um, Psalm 15. I didn't get that far, but listen to this. O Lord, who shall sojourn in your temple? Who will dwell in your holy hill? He who walks blamelessly and does what is right and speaks the truth in his heart. He who does not slander with his tongue does not does no evil to his neighbor nor takes up reproach against his friend. See, there's there's that upright walk that we need to have. We need to be walking according to God's purpose and God's will and then God will not withhold. Um, Enoch walked with God, walked right into God's presence. No grave for Enoch. Um, it says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, my, my, my verse going to Bible school after my seven years in the police service was, um, um, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things should be added unto you. And I've never, ever let go of that. Look at, look at Scripture. Look at Mary and Martha. Um, Mary worshiping Martha, busy with the household activities. Look at Samuel. Look at Timothy. Timothy, who it was wise unto salvation through faith. He understood that very clearly. And my last point is the privilege. Blessed is the man that trusts in him. Blessed are the pure in heart. For they shall see God. I'd like to add to that, if I may, who walk uprightly. If I can, if I can find that path where I'm absolutely trusting in God's direction every day of my life and 
Listen, I'm human too. I don't every day. But I, I want to, that's my desire, to walk with God every day of my life. You thought this was just found in Ephesians, but it's found, also found in Psalm chapter 4. Be angry, but do not sin. Ponder in your own hearts on your beds and be silent. Offer right sacrifices and put your trust in the Lord. You know, there's times in my life that uh, I've always said to people, people say, well, don't get angry. Well, that's an ordinary human emotion. It's what I do with it. I get angry sometimes and when I, when I see what's going on in our world, the sin, um, like Christ when he upset the tables and it, it, was, it, wasn't, it wasn't the people, it was what the act. And, and when, we, when we feel that, we need to say, okay, Lord, show me what I can do now to be your vessel. How do I witness to, if I ever had the opportunity, could I witness to our premier, to our prime minister, to our local MP? I pray that that would someday maybe an opportunity to do that, just to be a witness. Don't let anybody, don't let anybody intimidate you. Because they might mock you, but they're also mocking God. If you, if you stand firm in your faith, it says here, Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. The Korahites were writing this. Some attribute to David, but scripture here says the Korahites, the, the, the keepers of the tabernacle. And as they watch this, <laughs> I, I, I can only imagine, oh, Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. They watch people come in out of that tabernacle. And how blessed. How blessed we are in this nation to be able to sit here without fear of somebody coming crashing through the doors and say, you can't worship like this anymore. It could come. We know that. I pray not. But, but, what, what freedom we have to worship, what freedom we have to honor God in every part of our lives. And as we, as we take time to do that today, as we take time in a few moments together on the Lord's table, would you, in, in the moment of silence we have, would you just thank God for the privilege of worship? Would you thank God that we can come to him because it says that when we confess our sin, he forgives our sin and cleanses us from the, as far as east is from the west, cleanses from all sin. It's removed. It's gone. Wow. And as we, and we're going to give you a moment of silence in a moment, as we prepare for communion, if you do not know Lord Jesus Christ this morning as personal Savior, if you're not sure of your salvation, one of two things. Number one, just bow your head and ask the Lord to come in your heart. Cry out to God and say, Lord, I, I'm a sinner. Not your words, but your heart. And ask him to come in. Ask him to save you. If not, I really would encourage you just to pass it by. We're going to ask you to do, we're going to ask you to come forward this morning. We're a little, a little short of leadership. We're going to have to ask you to come forward for communion and then take it back to your seat. You'll take the bread and the cup and go back to your seat. And, and then we'll partake together. Please hold on to that until we partake together. If you're not able to come up, we'll serve you. We'll wait till everybody else is served, and then we'll ask if there's anybody that needs some assistance, and we'll do that. But as you, as you 
take that, because it'll take a few moments to do that. As you go back to your seat, would you just ponder for a moment? And just meditate on the fact that we have a God who cares. Jesus, as as, uh, Tyler said, Jesus went to the cross to die for our sin. Let's let's not lose sight of that. Let's let's ask God to to use this in our hearts and our lives as we prepare. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for faith and trust. We thank you, Father, for the opportunity we have to just wait upon you and just allow your spirit to work in us. And, Father, as we do that this morning, we pray that you'll just guide and direct our hearts. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. I'm going to ask those that serve me would come and take your place in the front row, please, if you would. We certainly have been given clear instructions in Scripture and how we should partake. This is not supper. It says here that there were many divisions. There were some things that were done in a wrong way. And Jesus said, let a man examine himself and slaw them eat of that bread and drink of that cup. First of all, do I know the Lord Jesus Christ as personal Savior? Secondly, is there sin in my life that I need to take a moment to confess to God? And as we do that, as we do that, we'll wait upon you to make that judgment in yourself. We're not here to judge you. We're here to ask God to work in your heart and your life. It says if we would judge ourselves, truly we'd not be judged. And as I, as I think of this, we don't want to bring condemnation on the Lord's table. We don't want to drink in an unworthy manner. We don't want to profane the body and the blood of the Lord. We want to be true before God. Let's pray. Just silently first. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me. Father, help us to be honest before you. We don't stand here today in judgment. You're the final judge. You're the one that judges, not us. And Father, I pray that you'll just guide us as we partake of communion this morning. As we take the bread and the wine in a few moments and and partake of it, Father, we just pray that your spirit will guide and direct us. Lord, lead us in that place where you and you only can forgive, can cleanse. And Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. 
We pray for your direction now in Jesus' precious name. Amen. I'm going to ask the men to come. We'll have the bread.